0: We're in week two of our message pertaining to what it means to be sent. Being sent for some is easier than others. Sending others is also challenging, especially when it comes to those that you love. Have you ever... Had to send somebody away that you didn't want to send, but you knew that they needed to be sent. I remember growing up, and maybe some of my friends were being sent to Mexico for the wrong reasons because they were getting into trouble here. How many of you have families that say, Oh, you know, you're messing up, you're going to live with your uncle and your auntie in Bel Air? No, I'm kidding. I'm sending you to Idaho. Not Idaho. Um, But then there are other reasons, good reasons, why we're sent. Why sometimes we have to send others. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about being sent. We're going to read a, a passage today in the book of 1 Timothy. Please, in your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy We're going to read all of chapter 1. We're going to read about the Apostle Paul and how he had to send one of his spiritual sons named Timothy to a place, to a city, to pastor a newly established church. Paul had founded this church in Ephesus And while he was founding it and starting it, it was taking shape. It was taking shape to look like Christ. It was a formation of a community of believers that were going to live and model their lives after Jesus. And that's who we are, aren't we, church? Aren't we people who are fashioned and formed after the likeness and the image of Jesus Christ? The Bible says that he is the head of the church. And if he's the head of the church, then what are we? We're the body, right? The Bible says that he is the bride's groom. And if he's the bride's groom, then what does that make us? We're the bride. And Scripture says that the groom equips and prepares the bride for the marriage supper of the Lamb. If I use spiritual language like that, marriage supper of the Lamb, Write that down in your notepad on your phone, or write it down in your journal so you can go and, and look up these words. I don't mean to gloss over them. I don't mean to speed through, you know, some of these, these terms um, that are biblical, but sometimes you need to do your own searching and your own studying on your own so that you can understand the Word of God for yourselves. We, the people of God, are called to be fashioned and formed in the likeness of Jesus Christ us pastors, preachers, and teachers are going to bring the Word of God, and guess what? A new Christian, or the scripture says a baby Christian, will need to be fed spiritual milk as they're growing and learning, but as we grow and learn the Word of God, we have to learn how to put the milk away, and we need to learn how to chew on some solid meat spiritually. So we don't just want to Feed the, the body of Christ and the people of God and, and always have to spoon feed. You know, move, you move on from milk, you move into, you move on to spiritual Gerber food, spiritual baby food with spoons. But guess what? We can't always be spoon fed. We need to learn how to feed ourselves with a fork and a steak knife. Okay? We have to grow. So, but when I use spiritual language, write those words down if you don't know what they mean and go and study these things spiritually, biblically, theologically, so that you can have a greater understanding and grasp. So when I say the marriage supper of the Lamb, this is a prophetic, an eschatological um, event that is speaking to a future day when Jesus would come for his church and we will be in communion with Christ. The Bible says that he'll come down on a cloud and meet the church and the dead in Christ will rise first. And some of us have different eschatology, which means some of us understand the coming of Christ or the end of times slightly differently. And that's okay. There's many denominations. All right. The most important thing is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing that we're Trinitarian, that we believe that God sent his son, Jesus, that the Father sent the Holy Spirit to help initiate um, and establish the body of Christ, which is the church or the new Israel. The new Israel, that is who we are. Okay? I don't want to go on a rabbit trail and start talking about the war that's taking place in Israel. And that's a whole different story. Not everybody who's in politics in Israel is part of Israel. When we pray for the peace of Israel, we're not just play, praying for a land or a territory. Israel are the people that are called by the name of Yahweh, of God, and following him. Amen? All right, so... We need to seek the Lord and how to pray for for what's going on in Israel, all right? Um, Okay, with that, I want to come back to the topic at hand, which is to send, to hit send. Did you hit send? Can I unsend? How many of you ever sent a message you wish you can unsend? Me too. How many of you sent the wrong message to the wrong person? Oh, take that back. Let me get a lasso. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you on this Sunday morning in this house, with this church and this people to bring glory to your name. I pray that you would open our minds, that you'd open our hearts, and you'd open our spiritual eyes, that we'd see wonderful things in your law. I pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. and everybody said, Amen. put your hands together, church, come on, make some noise for the Lord Jesus Christ, <laughs> hallelujah. Today I hope to communicate three primary things, number one, I want to talk about Paul and Timothy's relationship that we, that we read about in scripture, okay, and the basis of their relationship is trust, all right? Second thing I want to talk about is the need that was in Ephesus and the need that there was in the work of God. Okay, Um, so we're going to talk about the work of God as it pertains to a need that that needs to be met. Can I I hear an amen? Amen. The third thing I'd like to talk about um, is um, this idea of belief in the work of God as it pertains to encouragement, okay? The way Paul encouraged Timothy that he would be able to step into this next level of commitment, this next level of obedience, how Paul encouraged Timothy, although Timothy was reluctant to be sent by Paul. Now do you understand where I'm coming from? Timothy was being sent by Paul, Although Timothy did not want to be sent by Paul. He didn't want to be sent. Okay? So we're going to talk about the dynamics of this and what it means. All right. Praise the Lord. And I call that encouragement. Or in uh, layman terms, you got this. You got this. Let's go to the word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope, to Timothy, my true son in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines any longer, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. These promote controversies rather than God's work. Somebody say God's work. Which is by faith, which is what Paul is calling Timothy to do, is to go by faith and remain in Ephesus. Although Paul and the rest of his disciples were going to Macedonia. Y'all can't leave me. Put me in the luggage. Don't leave me here all by myself. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Can somebody say trust? Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. He says his spiritual son, And he's encouraging him to remain in Ephesus. And he's saying, you got this. You're ready. And he says, you have to trust me. I'm writing to you with love, with a clean conscience. I don't have an ulterior motive. Okay? I don't have a secret or hidden agenda. But I'm coming to you in sincere faith to advance the work of the Lord. Somebody say, to advance the work of the Lord. Verse 6, some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk. That's what happens when you're not on mission, you're out of commission. And you start to create problems. We start to destroy things even though we don't even know we're destroying them. That, happens, that can happen a lot in a church. When we're not on mission and focused on the outward mission and outward focus of what God is calling us to as the body of Christ, guess what? We're sitting around with too much time on our hands for one reason or another, and Paul is speaking to that with Timothy. They want to be teachers of the law, but they don't know what they're talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for the lawbreakers and rebels the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers or for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine that conforms to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. So Paul is then establishing a spiritual, um, a spiritual org chart. And he's saying, as God has called me and as I am an apostle to all of you, please know that I'm simply delivering a message and I pray that you receive the message with trust and with love, knowing that I have God's work in mind and your best intentions as well. (coughs) is it hard for some of us to trust what others are asking of us sometimes? It is sometimes, isn't it? But what if there's trust there in the relationship? Is it easier to trust what somebody asks you to do if there's trust? I remember when my boss, several years ago, 2006, I was working for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and for the first three to six months, my boss was calling me all the time. He was calling me all the time. It's because his office was in Sherman Oaks, and mine was right here out of the church. He wanted to make sure that as we were remote- Workers in the kingdom of God, that I was busy because I was new doing my job. So if he called me and I didn't answer, then I call him back, hey man, why don't you answer my phone call? Hey man, sorry, I'm not a slave to my phone. But we were trying to establish trust. He would call me all the time, and I'd be like, hey man, this guy's breathing down my neck. And trust me, I love him. I love him. We have a wonderful, wonderful relationship. This was many, many years ago. And then I realized we were still in the process of building trust. He wasn't calling to just check up on me. He was measuring the work that I was commissioned to do. So I learned that the more I called my boss, my supervisor, to check in on the work that he had asked me to do, the less and less he called me. Because now we established a trust. And he saw that this youngster, who was fresh out of professional baseball, Recently graduated from UCLA, knew how to work. Because not all college kids know how to work. Just because you got a, a a diploma don't mean you know how to work. Just because you got 20 years of experience either doesn't mean that you still know how to work. You might, you might get lazy. Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18: one who is slack is just as bad as one who destroys. Verse 10. So, so guess what my boss and I were in the process of establishing trust and once we all saw the work begin to prosper it began to flourish our relationship also continued to flourish I also learned about working and I'm glad that I I was able to branch out after God called me into the ministry and work in, in another field in another area of ministry and be trained up in the gospel or in Jesus Christ away from my father, away from Mission Ebenezer, because there was a lot of other things I needed to learn. Right? It wasn't just called into the ministry and all of a sudden given a position here at Mission Ebenezer. Oh, no. In those days, I didn't receive a dime from Mission Ebenezer. But by the grace of God, here we are. Okay? I'm fleshing out the dynamic between Paul and Timothy. Establishing this relationship in trust. And Paul's saying, God entrusted the gospel to me, and now I'm entrusting the gospel to you. I'm entrusting the gospel to Mission Ebenezer. I'm entrusting the gospel and sound doctrine and the love of God's people to the elders and to the leaders and to the people that I've been training up and raising up. And we can all find ourselves in that position of receiving from the ministry of the Apostle Paul passed down through generations, 2,000 years later, here we are still sharing the love of God and sharing the, the gospel, which is good news, that God forgave us of our sins through his son, Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed for us and for all the world. Give God a hand of praise. That was just my water break. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, verse 12, who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on, on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, Paul says. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to to save sinners of whom I am the worst but for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners this is Paul Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life this wasn't the gospel of Paul Paul couldn't save anybody Paul died as a martyr. His life was given for the cause of the gospel. But guess what? His life that was given didn't save us. It was the life of Jesus Christ that saved us. And that was the work. And that was the purpose that Paul was giving his life for. Hallelujah. Verse 17. Now to the king, Brother Dennis, eternal, immortal. Invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What an introduction. What what an amazing first part of a letter. There's theology there. There's the gospel. There's encouragement. There's Paul being open and vulnerable and sharing his heart with Timothy, his spiritual son. One of his his spiritual sons. And then it continues. A few more verses. Timothy, my son. When's the last time you wrote a letter to somebody? I just, the other day, was rifling through some private memoirs, and I found a letter that my wife wrote wrote to me. It was four pages long. I have it in my desk here at church. I was like, oh, man, she called me sweetie. She still calls me sweetie. Sweetie. Praise God. <laughs> Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping, me, keeping with the prophecies once made about you. I want you to highlight that word right there, prophecies. I want you to highlight that, underline it, that word prophecies. If you don't have a Bible, hey, guess what? I want to encourage you to get a Bible. Go to the Bible bookstore, go online, order a Bible. It's good to have A hard print Bible that we can follow along in. It's good to have a break from your phone, staring at a screen, nothing wrong with reading the Bible on the phone, but it's good to put the phone in the drawer, turn it on silent or airplane mode. Trust me, your anxiety will go down. Trust me, your blood pressure will go down. And you will find that you will be experiencing the peace of God when you engage with the word of God. Okay? And if if, if reading gives you a headache, Turn it on audio. Turn on an audio version and listen to the word of God while you're doing the dishes. The dishes will always be there. It's like death and taxes. And laundry. Here it is. You ready, church? Here we go, Britt. Timothy, my son. I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies. This is this word is plural. Once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these, and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. I'm going to let Paul deal with that that one right there, all right? We're not going to deal with that today. not going to treat that one today, Carlitos. We're going to focus on Paul and Timothy's relationship. Now, I'd like to talk first about this idea that Timothy receives from Paul. And it begins in verse 1, where it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus... By the command of God, our Savior, and and of Christ Jesus, our hope. So we need need to see here that Paul is establishing spiritual authority over Timothy. He's, He's establishing spiritual authority over the work of God that God commissioned him to do. He uses this word command, which means... Authority. Another translation is the word charge. The Greek word is epitage. Epitage means that Paul has received a command or received authority from God. And he's writing this in his letter, establishing the fundamentals of his relationship with Timothy. Now, Timothy, I love you. You're my son in the Lord. But I answered to one who is greater than all of us. And that one appeared to me on the road to Damascus. He changed my heart. He changed my, my life. He forgave me of my sin. He says, I was the worst of sinners. I was a blasphemer. I persecuted the gospel and those who were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, and now he's the one who I take my orders from. Let may ask us today, who is the one that you take your orders from? Church, who do you take your orders from? Hopefully from God. Hopefully you are taking your orders from God. Hopefully you are receiving your instruction for daily life and for the way you live out your faith from Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we are all committed to him. Amen? Amen. He says, I have received this command. Also, it it speaks of this ability to transmit, to transmit. Transmit means to pass on, all right? The Greek word here that Paul says now to Timothy, when he uses this word command, all right, later on in the chapter, has to speak. Look, look at what it says in verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command. In English, the NIV uses the same word command, but it's a different word in Greek. It's para angaleia. Para angaleia. Para means to or toward, and angaleia comes from the word message, where we get the word angel from, or angelos. All right? Angelos in Greek is a messenger. It's an angel. All right. It's also where we get the word good news or the, the English word evangel, evangel. OK, but an angel is a messenger and a messenger is someone who is taking a message. So para angalea means that someone is taking a message from someone. And the prefix para is an emphatic, which means it adds a descriptive to the actual now, or verb itself. So para Angalea means that I am giving you a message to go and take. Amen. You following me, church? I hope I don't make you cross-eyed. I'm trying to explain what, what's taking place here in the passage. T- Paul says, God has commanded me, and now I am commanding you to take this message to the people that God has called you to take the message. Now, the mission is the same that we would bring the world into a loving relationship with Almighty God. The message is the same that we take that good news message to the world, letting them know that Jesus Christ is the way to the Father, that we receive the forgiveness of sins through the death of Christ on the cross. That's the message. The message is the same, the message never changes. But guess what? For some of us, the audience changes. For some of us, God has called us to a certain people. For some of us, God has called us with a specific bent of the message that remains the same. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Right. Call and response. Paul is called to be a missionary to the whole Mediterranean region, to all of Rome. Somebody say all of Rome. He's called to take this message and to be a missionary, taking it to all of Rome. And now the people that God has used him to train up, to equip, to raise in the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's now propelling them. He's now launching them into the different regions of this world to continue this work that God has called Paul to in the name of Jesus. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. So now Paul is growing the ministry. Paul's growing the ministry that God gave to him. As believers, let me ask you a question. If something is healthy, will it grow? Let me ask the West Side. I didn't hear much from the West Side. You're feeling neglected over here. What's up, people? I'm going to look you in the eyes. You're so beautiful. If something is healthy, will it grow? If something is receiving nutrients, receiving what it needs, care, love. Mario, Mario. If something is receiving what it needs, will it grow? Yes, it will grow. If something grows, can the person who is leading that movement do everything that is required? Huh? No. If it grows, you have to expand. If a tree grows and produces fruit, that means there's many branches of the tree that are producing fruit. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. So, so this is what we're seeing right here, that as the gospel is growing, the Roman Empire had established its, its routes, its, its roads, all throughout Rome. You ever heard the saying, all roads lead to Rome? Right? That's where that comes from. They established an infrastructure all throughout Europe, the Middle East, everything that was under the, the auspices of the Roman Empire had roads that all led to Rome, Italy. It strategically was placed in such a way so that the gospel of Jesus Christ at the turn, right? of the first century would explode. So our Christian faith, you guys, exploded during the first century, the second century, the third century, A.D. I'm no domini, the year of our Lord. After the calendar was flipped over from B.C. to A.D. Are you tracking with me? All right. I'm a history major, so I like to touch on a lot of these different points and, and bring it all together so that we can have understanding. Hopefully you weren't falling asleep in U.S. history or world history when you were in school. Come on, relax, church, relax. Okay, so we're talking about this relationship that Paul had with Timothy. He sees what God did in Timothy's life. And you know what he said to Timothy? Hey, uh, guys, pack your bags. We're heading out. We're leaving Ephesus. Everybody's packing their bags. Everybody's taking stuff down from the walls, taking the pins down, rolling up scrolls. They're pulling up all the access to Scripture and parchment paper that they had where they would study the Word of God. Paul would ask others to write letters. They were packing up everything, getting ready to move on. Continuing in their missionary journey. Everybody's packing up their bags. Timothy's packing up his bags. He's like, Timothy, not you. <laughs> what, what do you mean? What, what do you mean? Not you. You're not packing your bags. Leave your, leave your, leave your stuff right there. Why? We're, we're moving on. I know we're moving on. You're not coming with what do you mean I'm not coming with? No, you're ready. Ready for what? You're ready for what God's already prophesied and called you to. Don't forget what has already been prophesied over you. No, you're joking. It's, it's April Fool's, right? It's April Fool's. Paul, <laughs> oh, man. Paul, you had me there for a second. No, I'm, I'm real. You're not coming with us. No, 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 no. I, I have to stay with you guys. I got to stay with you guys. No, no, no! You don't get it, Paul. No. Papa Paul, you don't get. It. I, I'm I'm supposed to stay with you. Uh, see, that's the thing. Uh, you're not. What, what do you mean I'm not? Yeah, you'll be with us in spirit. But God needs you here. Yeah. What about Rufus? Why doesn't he stay? God didn't tell me he's supposed to stay. He's not ready yet. You're ready. Somebody say trust. did Did Timothy, even though he was reluctant, do you think Timothy trusted what Paul was asking of him? Yes, because of trust. Because of trust. Let's go to our second point. Let's talk about the need. Somebody say the need. Oftentimes the need or the why can drive vision. For us as believers, if we take our minds, if we take our eyes, if we take our hearts off of the vision, off of the need, off of the purpose, then we're going to get sidetracked. That's when we start wandering off in the faith. That's when we go and start following rabbit trails and all these online doctrines and false doctrines, false teaching and false, false prophets on YouTube with, bad, with bad, bad doctrine, bad theology, leading people astray. When our eyes are not focused here, we start we start We start wandering. No, but when we're on mission, when we're on focus, when we're on purpose, somebody say on purpose. When when you're on purpose, guess what? It is not easy to deter you, to deter me from what God has called us to do based on the prophecies that have already been made about you. That have already been made about me. That have already been made about mission that have already been made about this people that God has called together to do the work of God in 2023, preparing for 2024, we have a specific mission, we have a specific calling, we have a specific purpose. And if we don't understand what the mission is, what the calling is, what the purpose is, and what the prophecies were that were made about us, and guess what? We're going to get lost. No matter what Paul told Timothy, if Timothy lost sight of all that, Timothy would have gotten lost. But Paul knew that Timothy was strong in the faith. He had been raised by a mother and a grandmother who raised him in the word of God. And now that he came under the gospel of Jesus Christ, he took everything that he learned in Judaism and he now translated it into the gospel work of Jesus with conviction with knowledge, with good theology, with good understanding. He understood the history of Israel and why the history of Israel lent to the work of Jesus Christ. So then Timothy was able to say, can I pray on this, Paul? You can pray on it all you want. Let's show a quick map real quick of where Ephesus was strategically located by God. Check this out. Ephesus was one of the city bridges from Europe to the Middle East. If you look at this map right here, you can see Rome. That was the center of the empire at which this letter was written by Paul to Timothy. If you follow Rome upwards, it comes down from the southern east part of Europe, which is what our our current day Europe is, swoops down through Thessalonica. You see Corinth right there. You see Athens, that's Greece area. That connecting point between Corinth and Ephesus was a tremendous place where trade routes often converged. Trade routes would converge. They would go on camelback, horses, on foot. Then they would potentially take ships from all these small little islands that that connect or bridge these two massive pieces of land, all right, continents for us. Now, Ephesus, you guys, is modern-day Turkey, all right, modern-day Turkey. You see that right there? It's a beautiful image and beautiful map. It's kind of light for some of us that struggle with depth perception and and, uh, colors, Wish it was a little darker, but this is, the, this is the best one that we saw. Let us know where Ephesus was, but then it gave us the modern-day um, geography of the land that we're talking about. So Turkey extended all the way there to where Ephesus was. So, so you guys, Ephesus was a bustling town that was very multicultural. It was very diverse, all right? And people came from all different walks of life, from different philosophies, okay, with, with different ideas, about different gods. It was a a very, very paganistic, rich time of history where people would come from all different, you know, thoughts and beliefs. And that's why Paul strategically needed Timothy to be anchored there in Ephesus in order to continue to teach good doctrine and not false doctrine in order to bring people into a a sound and and strong understanding of who God is, as God taught Paul and taught him about Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Because Jesus the Christ was relatively new. And in order to translate this Hebrew Messiah, somebody say Hebrew Messiah. Are you tracking with me, church? The Hebrew Messiah who comes from the people of Israel The prophecies about the Messiah now into this new era where the faith, the faith that we now profess in Jesus Christ. Paul needed a strategic person who understood both worlds. In other words, if Paul was strategically placing Timothy there in Ephesus, it was to unite the West with the East. Somebody say, aha. Paul knew he needed Somebody that was strong in the word, strong in the faith, strong in prayer, who was not easily shaken, who was not easily moved. He would not be removed from his spiritual and theological foundation. He would not move from what Paul taught him. Why is that so important in first century Ephesus, in first century Rome, to have somebody who is is so strong in the faith that they would not be moved by all these different winds of doctrine and thought. Why? Because it was a critical moment, a critical point in the church. God's large and he's in charge. And he knows what he needs. He knows what he needs. He knows what he wants to do. He knows the purpose that he has in mind. Sometimes we're, we have to find ourselves at a point in life looking backwards on everything that God did. And we go, oh, man, God, Lord, Lord, you have me shaking. Now I see. Guys, I'm, I'm, guys right, right now, Josh, right now, I'm looking backwards on what God has been doing. In the last five to ten years, and I'm like, I'm like having like I'm like having laughing fits, and I'm like, man, I see. You look at failures and you go, oh man, that was a tough spot. Now I see. Look at victories and you say, oh man, Lord Jesus, I now I see. I say, oh God, I see where you have us now. I get it, Lord. You wanted us to grow. You wanted us to learn. I see you're taking us someplace, but in order for us to get there, we had to go through what we were going through back then and what we're going through right now. Even though we can't see it all completely, we have to trust. Somebody say trust. Somebody say big trust. It's a big trust. It's a big trust. Timothy had to believe and trust. And what Paul was telling him, you got to stay. He said, finally, all right. I'll stay. Can you imagine God revealing and unpacking for Timothy his plan and why he needed to stay and how he was going to use them? Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. So church, hang on. He's going to show you. Church, hang on. He's going to show us. He's going to reveal to us. He's going to to unveil the whole plan, the whole vision. And the final point is you got this it's the encouragement okay it's the encouragement look what it says in verse 18 of chapter 1 Timothy my son I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by following them you may fight the good fight holding on to faith and a good conscience can I break this verse down a little bit you guys can I break it down for us, you guys? Amen. All right. When Paul is instructing Timothy here in verse 18, at the end of chapter 1, something very, very important takes place. He says, I give you these, this, not these instructions. He says, I give you this instruction. It's singular. The word for instruction here. In our English Bibles, it's singular, and in the Greek, it's singular. It's instruction. And then he moves on to this word prophecies. And prophecies is plural in the Greek language. Prophecies is plural. When he's speaking of the propheteos, everybody say propheteos, the prophecies, plural, this is what Paul says. In keeping with the prophecies, what's made about you, so that by following them, somebody say them. The word autos. Aut- autais In the Greek is the third person plural referring to the prophecies that were made about Timothy. What are prophecies? Prophecies are things that are spoken over you, spoken over me. They're words that we have received spiritually from the Lord. Sometimes God uses other people to speak those prophecies over our lives. There's been prophecies spoken about you. There's been prophecies spoken about our church. There's prophecies spoken about the church. And Timothy had to trust in the prophecies and believe in them and not go away from them that were made about him and how God would use him. Paul says others have walked away from the prophecies. Others have walked away from the prophecies. In other words, they have stopped trusting in the word of God. They had already stopped trusting in what was said about them. They stopped believing. That's called backsliding. That's called lack of faith. That's called doubt. That's called life happens and then we get discouraged. And when life happens and then we get discouraged and somebody hurts us, that's a part of the church. Guess what? We stop believing in what God said about us. But what God said about you and what God said about us is not contingent. Upon man. The Bible says that God is not man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. His promises are yes and amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? God's prophecy about you is yes and amen. You are an overcomer. You are a child of the Most High God. You are called to be a servant of Jesus Christ. We are called to be missionaries. We are called to be preachers and teachers. We are called to be evangelists. Hallelujah. We are called to be men and women called by his name, living on purpose, living on mission, walking into the world in the boldness and in the confidence and in the trust of the prophecies that were already made about you. Hallelujah. So at the end of this chapter, Paul says, Timothy, Don't forget what's already been said about you. From heaven. From heaven. Mission Ebenezer. Let's not forget what God has already said about us. The Lord has strategically placed us in the port of Los Angeles to reach a hurting world. To reach a world that needs healing, including us. Like the women shared today. He's healing us first so that we can be the wounded healer just as Jesus was. Can I hear an amen?